Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the Word of the King is, there is power. And we may say unto him, What doest thou? Hello there. This is Missionary Kenneth Wolfgang of Holiness Bibles for the Blind sitting in for Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King for the second half of our two-part series of messages on Does God Call the Whole to the Ministry? But first, here on the Word of the King, we'd like to open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to ask you today, as we get ready to consider this question again about your calling, Lord, would you just open hearts today and touch lives? Lord, would you help not only the preachers, but, Lord, those sitting in the pews to help them to see their error, the error of their ways, Lord. Help them to see that, Lord, if it wasn't for them, that maybe your children wouldn't be so downed that you'd be able to use who you want to use and not who they want to use. So, Lord, we ask you now that you would just use those whom you want to use, Lord. Lord, we ask you now that you would just use those who you want to use. Lord, we ask you to touch now, in the name of Jesus, all of these things we ask in your precious name, Jesus, Yeshua, amen. So, we want to start first with a scripture this afternoon, and today we'd like to start with this scripture for you. And once again, we have my lovely wife, who is going to do our scripture readings today, is we want you to follow along. In First Samuel, First Samuel, chapter sixteen, First Samuel, chapter sixteen, and we're going to be reading verses six through twelve. First Samuel, chapter sixteen, verses six through twelve. Read along with her as we get ready and prepared to do part two of the series. Does God only call the whole to the ministry? And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called Ebenadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are the, here all thy children? 
And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he come thither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. All right, now, as we get ready to consider this, I just want you to think on this. Considering what we've already discovered in our previous message, you preachers, we already know that God did not, think back, it does not say anything about, we know for a fact that the which is crazy the new testament church is turning more and more back to the old testament law while the it seems that and this is surprising those who are of the jewish and like the rabbis and stuff it seems like they who would be the ones more tendency toward the law seem to be more open. Now, as we've seen in our previous message, that it was the those from the law of Moses who said, put out, and we're going to see a little more of that today, that, that it was Moses and the law that said, okay, those that were unclean, the leper, etc., and it was him who said even in the priesthood. But it did not say that about the New Testament preachers. But you know what? You do that with preachers, and you do that with, hello, churches, hello, church members. You do that with every single person who comes to the church. You do it with every single person who comes in the church. If they got an inconvenience like Brother Tim, like me, and my wife. All you expect of us, oh, you'll invite us in the church, just like they did the Levitical priest. Oh, well, if they were a son or a daughter or whatever, oh, we'll feed you. But other than that, bless God, don't you dare ask to do anything, not even flip a switch for God, because you're not worthy don't even try it because we won't let you do anything you want proof you say well my dear wife here is going to help prove it today we're going to do a little change of pace for the first half of this message today we're going to interview my wife because she has a mobility challenge, inconvenience, if you will, disadvantage, if you will. And we're going to ask some very simple questions. She's, she uses sometimes a wheelchair and sometimes a cane. And watch the kind of responses that she gives churches, church people. And when you see the kind of dirt you do, and some of the things that you could improve, I think you're going to see very quickly 
how that your churches deliberately push the inconvenienced person right into the pew and say, don't you dare do anything for God. You deliberately do it. I know because it's happened to me, and you do it to people like Brother Tim, and you do it to everyone else. And then by the end of it, we're going to talk about relationships. So just watch in this interview. So I'm going to ask just my lovely wife a few questions here. She's not much of a radio person, has never done things, so we're just going to let her just take her time to answer these questions. It's going to be kind of like conversation for her, but it's, we're going to take our time to do this. Now, her name, of course, everybody knows is Ruth, and if you want to know more about her, you just go on the About Us section of the Holiness Bibles for the Blind website, and you just click on Ruth Wolfgang, and you can see more about her and her calling to the singing ministry and, and what she's done been called to do. You find out a little bit more about her and and see her cute face and all that. But And I think she's cute, but now if no one else likes that, that's too bad. But at least I think she's beautiful. Now, the first question I want to ask of you, Ruth, okay, is when you started to begin to have troubles with your legs and stuff, and you started to notice, because you were called to sing, as it says on your page on the website, the first thing you notice when, obviously, you go into churches, you have a cane, you have this wheelchair. Let's talk about the wheelchair first, okay? Not every church has a ramp. I want you to describe for the listeners the difficulties you find when you need to use that wheelchair to come into churches because sometimes you either push the wheelchair for balance like and sometimes you have to use your arms and push yourself in the wheelchair but i want you to describe the difficulties and the barriers that the churches put in your way just because you need that wheelchair okay the barriers you find due to the fact you need the wheelchair Okay, in answer to the question, I think really I'd like to go to this one church down the road from where we live, but the problem is I can't get up there with my wheelchair because it has too many steps, and I can't use my cane too well because the steps are wide and there's too many of them, so I won't be going there. And then I was thinking about going to another church that I've been to before, and they have a ramp, but when you get to the top of the ramp, it's hard to make the turn once you get in the door and then you have to go and move the wheelchair over to the pew, which is, has to be collapsed, the wheelchair. And then when you sit down next to it, you got red flag. You got, wow, there's the wheelchair. And there you're reminded. Everybody knows. Look at the, look at the cripple. And then finally, there's another church that I want to end with that has this policy. You have to have the chair taken away from you and put in the back of the church and then, really, basically, when you're done, you're basically saying, oh, wave up the red flag again. Here's the cripple again. Now, for my next question, getting into the wheelchair, here comes an interesting one for you, is obviously everyone, this is a kind of a, kind of, some people might say it's tacky, but oh well. Hey, everybody has needs. And those with inconveniences, even with mobility challenges, have them, okay? Mobility inconveniences have them. We all need to go to the restroom. Now, 
some restaurants at least had the decency to know that when you pull in and, uh, hello, uh, churches, you go on the website here, Holiness Bibles for the Blind, go up there where it says accessibility, click the link after this message. All you got to do is go look in there on where it shows the nice little wheelchair, and we tell you accessibility ideas for wheelchairs, for blind people, the whole works, people with hearing problems. I mean, we give you great ideas, okay? And these ideas came from people like my wife. They came from people that have hearing challenges, people that are blind, and not just from just me. These are people that we've interviewed that give us these ideas that know what what it's like to live with these challenges. So we know what we're talking about, people that have just walking problems, not just wheelchairs. So these are great ideas, and they could give you some ideas. Now, if you got a restroom stall, having – I've seen some bathrooms, and Ruth, get ready for the question. These bathroom stalls, they you come up to it. How in the world do they expect you to pull – you pull up to the door. It's barely wide enough for a person to walk through, let alone a, a chair to pull through. But even when you get in there, how they expect you to turn the wheelchair in there to use the bathroom? And how do I know about the handicap stall, what they call the handicap stall, which is a degrading word, uh, the inconvenience stall for those in wheelchairs, when there's not enough room to turn, they expect the wheelchair person to just pull their wheelchair in there, leave the back end of the chair sticking out the open door for the whole world to see what they're doing in there when they have to pull their drawers down. You talk about degrading. Now, Ruth, the question to you. Being a person who has to use a wheelchair on times, don't you find that kind of degrading when you run across these churches that either have these stalls? Now, it's kind of a long question, so if we had to take our time to get you to answer it, don't you find it degrading when they have these bathroom stalls that are either too small or the wall stalls improperly maintained where they're floppy and broken down to where you go to grab onto the wall and the thing's rocking and rolling like it's like it's in the middle of a rock concert or on the high seas that's the question i'm asking you is don't you find it totally totally impractical for your needs as well as every other person with mobility challenges don't you find that impractical if not unsafe Okay, I went to this one church, and they had a very small bathroom for uh, people like me with handicap problems, or it's my husband would call inconveniences. I went in there, and I had my wheelchair with me, and I remember taking it, and I could not get it into this stall at all. I mean, there was just no way you could get a wheelchair in there. It's just too small. So I would have to push it over by a mirror, and if somebody would have pushed that wheelchair against the mirror, it would have broke the mirror. So it wasn't good. And then when I went into the... I had to leave the wheelchair out, like I said, and I had to get into the stall. And it's hard to maneuver even if you had a cane in there because I've used a cane before in there. And you could barely use it. And they even have a porta potty So it just wouldn't work for a, wheel a person like me at all. And as to the fact that my husband was talking about where, where some people have problems with bad walls or something, I've never encountered anything like that in any of the bathrooms I've been in. But, you know, it could be a real safety factor. 
Okay, now, and yeah, uh, I've seen some of those stalls myself that you're talking about that <laughs> were so small. A porta potty would be a good example of what you're talking about. Uh, but, uh, Ruth, I do know what you're saying now. S some places they keep their walls maintained, but yes, I do know of a church myself that the so called one stall, it did not have well-maintained walls. So churches, keep them tight. It's a safety thing. Ruth tried to tell you, it can be safety. And for someone with balance problems like my wife, and there are other people with balance problems, and they don't have a balanced dog, it could be a very serious balance issue. And if that wall goes crashing to the floor, that person's going to crash into the floor, and you could have a lawsuit on your hand Unless that person follows the scripture where it says, sue no man at the law. They may only be decent enough not to go and sue your hide. But if they aren't saved, they might decide to sue your, the hide off your tail. And you'd have yourself some royal trouble. Tighten the walls, okay? It don't take much but a, a simple wrench or two or a screwdriver, okay? In a few minutes. I mean, it don't take much. Don't take a genius. Tighten them up. And you could save yourself a lot of troubles. Now, off of that. Now, next question for you, my sweet wife, Ruthie. This covers a lot of ground in one question, okay? Platforms. <laughs> you notice I said it in one word. Platforms in the church. If you've always noticed, most churches... Of course, yeah, because most churches have a level floor. It's very few because they're real big mega churches, so they have the back of the auditorium is higher and the front of the church is lower, so they really don't need a platform. But even in a lot of those, they have a platform. Now, when you think about that with a platform, I'm going to cover a couple questions in one, and I want you to think about this, and if we had to have you... Think about it and pause. I want you to think on this. One, doesn't that platform put a separation between the people who go up there that says, we only want the hole on this platform, and we want the inconvenience out there in the pew, and that's the only place for you. And number two, which thus puts a red flag at everybody, says, there's where the inconvenience are out there in the pew. And number two, if a person is called to the ministry, it would put a red flag for sure on them because they have to be, if they have like your condition, they'd have to have someone lift them up to that platform or carried up to that platform. And thirdly, there's no platform that I've ever seen with a railing around it, in exception of very few, there was one where we cleaned a church, as you well know, that had a railing around it for safety. So there's very few that have any kind of railing for safety. So people that are inconvenienced, like you, with that would use a wheelchair or a walker or a cane, are totally at risk. And someone like me who's got vision inconveniences without even knowing the edges there, could go, go flying right off the edge. Why? Because there's nothing there to tell them the edge is there unless they've memorized where the edges are because why? There's no railings, no nothing, because 
Why? There's nothing there. They're putting a difference between the whole, those who got all their faculties, and those who do not. Don't you find that, A, as a separating point, and B, as a as a point where the church should say, no, we do not need this if it's not necessary? Don't you find that as a problem area in the church? Well, I would actually feel uncomfortable if I was in a church that had a platform because it, I would have to get up there with my cane or I'd have to get somebody like my husband or someone else to get up there and help me. And I would be embarrassed because I'd probably be the only one up there with a the cane. So I'd feel out of place. So that's basically how I'd feel. All right, now get ready to sigh your relief here, Ruthie, because we only got a couple questions left. All right, question. Now, this comes down to, I know you use your cane. Speaking of your cane, let's now forget the wheelchair. Let's stick to those of you, like in your condition, that use walkers and canes that are have the ability to use the legs. Don't you find it unsafe, very unsafe, when they, because I've seen this in a lot of churches, where they use, and I know they say people out there say, "Well, how could you say you've seen it?" Well, I used to be legally blind, so get that off your stupid faculties, people. These little throw rugs sometimes in halls or in the foyer, and what about even like around platforms and stuff and you'll see all of a sudden these draping loose microphone wires and stuff don't you find that rather unsafe where they have these long microphone wires draping all over creation in the church my question is don't you find that unsafe and that they should find a better way to keep that stuff so that people do not trip and get hurt not just only for people like you but for people like me that have vision challenges but also for the general public in general don't you find that just plain out unsafe that's my question don't you find that unsafe okay well i've been in churches that have rugs and they do have microphone cords hanging around like that and really basically they could put tape over it and whatever because i'm i could easily fall with my cane and have a lot of medical problems with this so i think it should be done that way Okay, now for a real easy question, it should be a shorty for you too. I've noticed in the churches, but it's also in the secular world, but the sad part is also in the churches. Don't you find it awful strange that in the churches it seems like people expect the inconvenience to say, kind of, quote, stay with their own? Like, if you're blind... You should only marry or hang around blind people. If you're mobility challenged as you are, you should only hang around with them. And if you got epilepsy like Tim, don't you dare come around me because you got you should be with your own kind. Don't you find that wrong? Look, if a person with epilepsy wants to marry or fall in love with somebody who's quote unquote normal, look, they should fall in love with who they like instead of being say well go with your own kind don't you find that wrong that's my question here no i i don't think that we should keep to our own kind for example my husband and i when we got married um i didn't have as many problems as i have with my legs as i do now and he wasn't as blind as he is now 
but we love each other the way we are. And so I don't think that really is a problem in our case. Okay, now, speaking of, now that we're done with our little questions there, now, let's go back to thinking about what we spoke on last time we were doing this message, the first part. We mentioned to the preachers of the New Testament who talk about the New Testament church. Well, remember the question I just asked Ruth about the platform. Well, for those who are called to preach preachers, nowhere, remember what it said in Timothy. We are supposed to be going off the New Testament church, not the Old Testament. The New Testament church, it does not say in the text of Scripture, remember? First Timothy, which Ruth read us last time, which we will not read here, but if you want to go check it out, First Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 7, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it does not say one word about a person needing to be whole. However, what do you do? You put a platform up there which clearly says, waves a flag and says, you must be whole. And guess what that means? You've put people right back into the Old Testament You've said, we're going to bring back the Old Testament law of Leviticus. Which law do you say? Well, let's take a look at it. It's found in Leviticus chapter 21, verses 16 to 24, which we're going to have my wife read here real quick for you. Leviticus chapter 21, verses 16 to 24. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of the, his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach. A blind man or a lame, or he that hath a flat nose, or anything superfluous, or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed, or crock-bocked, or a dwarf, or that hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy, or scabbed, or hath his stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest, shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish. He shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Only he shall not go in unto the veil, nor come nigh unto the altar, because he hath a blemish, that he profane not thy, my sanctuaries, for I the Lord do sanctify them. And Moses told it unto Aaron and to his sons and all the children of Israel. Now, if you notice, see, that's what it says for you, the Old Testament preachers or priests. And that's exactly what you preachers want to do. But you know what's worse? Hello, you do it to those who are in the pew. You look upon a, per a person's, what they look like. Remember what we just read at the beginning, according to Samuel. Remember what it said in Samuel? 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 12. Now notice, remember what it said? It talked about, you're not supposed to look upon his countenance or the height of his stature. That means how tall he is. Because God is the one that looks on the heart, but you're looking on 
the outward appearance. Now, let's take a look at two scriptures back-to-back, two real quick scriptures back-to-back. I'm going to have my wife read them right back-to-back, one after the other, and I want you to take a look at what these verses say because it's exactly what you're doing to people when you make them have that little red flag, basically, as Ruth described with the wheelchair and what you've been doing. Also, with your little platform. I want you to see what you do. Let's take a look at these two scriptures. They're found in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, as well as Numbers chapter 5, Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Now, my wife is going to read both of these one after the other for you. She'll give you the reference she's reading, and then she'll tell, she'll read the verses to you. Okay. Okay, we have Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. They shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Okay, Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper and everyone that hath an issue and whomsoever is defiled by the dead. Both male and female shall ye put out. Without the camp shall ye put them that they defile not their camps in the midst wherever I dwell. And so, Christian, preachers, that's exactly what you do when you don't want to have that brother who has the inconvenience, and you basically kick him to the back and say, go with your own kind. It's exactly what you do. So, when you do that, when you have your little platform, and you have your thin little aisle or whatever, or just like Ruth described with those wheelchair situations or your tight little bathroom stalls, exactly what you're doing. You're saying, get without the camp or basically don't even come to church. We don't want you. Well, now it's time. Yes, it's that time for those famous words from our dear brother, Tim Groover, in his closing remarks. Well, we're told, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse for cursed be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, we're told in the book of Galatians, all oh, but here it is. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent ye, and believe the gospel, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Menial, moral, Sin, whatever you call it, all unrighteousness. God is faithful to forgive those who confess their sins to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection alone. For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours. <laughs>